Hi, good morning and welcome. My name is Brian with Valley Town Church. Uh, welcome. We've got a sermon this morning about the life of Abraham, more specifically the faith of Abraham. And last week we looked at uh, the promise and the calling that God had given him and God's intention on uh, making him a great name and a great nation, uh, a nation through whom the families of all the earth would be blessed. And so we focused last week specifically on that piece that God was intending all the way back in Genesis 12 to bless the very people who were his enemies and that that blessing later came to us as we placed our hope and trust in Jesus. Uh, there's another piece of that promise and that calling that God had given Abraham that I want to focus on today and it has to do with this blessing that God gave Abraham in which he blessed him in order to be a blessing. And so let's pick up in Genesis chapter 12 as we consider how Abraham blessed others by faith. So here we go. Genesis 12, 1. We read this last week. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so what what does it mean to be blessed or what is what is a blessing, right? And so it's it's more than just simply saying bless you when someone sneezes, okay? I, I looked it up in a dictionary. A blessing is a special favor, mercy, or benefit. It is a favor of God bestowed on someone, thereby bringing about joy and abundance and happiness. It is invoking God's favor on someone's someone else in which you might pray God's blessing over them. A Bible dictionary says this, a blessing was a public declaration of favored status with God. A, a second case is that a blessing was endowing uh, power for prosperity and success. And in all cases, it served as a guide and motivation to pursue a course of life within that blessing. That, that because this blessing was so valuable, you were willing to change the way you lived in order to preserve it, in order to maintain it on your life. And so we see in the scriptures that God intends on blessing Abraham and through him blessing the families of the earth. And so we see God in the scriptures as being a good father who gives good gifts to his children, to those who ask him. We know that God is the one from whom every good and perfect gift comes from. That says that in James chapter one, that God is this generous God, the, the God who so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That we see that God is a generous and abundant and blessing father towards his children. And what's interesting is that God did not intend on us as individuals being the end goal of that blessing. All right. He didn't intend on simply just blessing Abraham only so that Abraham would know that God is generous 
only so that Abraham would have the blessing. No, God intended uh, on blessing Abraham that through him, he would bless other people. In fact, so many other people that it eventually becomes all of the families of the earth. And so when God blesses us, it is not merely so that we identify him as a good father. It is so that eventually we begin as his children acting like our father, that his nature and his character begin to be displayed through us. That the seeds of God's word planted in our hearts eventually bear fruit to be enjoyed by others. And so with this concept of Abraham's life and God blessing him to be a blessing, uh, let's take a quick look at a, 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 a narrative found in the passages of Genesis 13. Uh, and, and here we go. Genesis 13, 1. I, I want to just look at this moment and, and consider how this is beginning to fulfill the blessing of God on the earth through Abraham. <clears throat> so Genesis 13, 1. So Abram, and I'll probably keep calling him Abraham, uh, went up to Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. And so Lot was his nephew. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. All right, and so Abraham's already experiencing a degree of material and worldly blessings and abundance, uh, but that is not sufficient to say that that's all that God intends, okay? Because God blessing the families of the earth through Abraham wasn't about you and I somehow receiving this inheritance of, what is it, livestock and silver and gold, right? I haven't received a check from Abraham because of my placing my trust in God, okay? And so the blessing that God has is far more than just some material possessions. All right, so Abraham already had those things. Verse 3, And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of their dwelling together. Actually, let's pause. I just want to point out. So Abraham's experiencing financial prosperity, uh, right? His flocks are abundant within the land. And notice that Abraham did not forget God in the midst of this. That as God's beginning to pour out prosperity in Abraham's life, it's not like Abraham's like, all right, got what I needed, and then walks away from relationship with God. No, he continues to go back to those early things, the place in which he first had made offerings unto God. He continues to maintain relationship with God and does not merely view God as an end uh, or a means to the end of him getting, you know, good things in his life. All right, so Lot was with Abraham, and Lot also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. And so now we begin to have a problem. Both of them have an abundance in flocks and wealth, and there's not enough land. Abraham already knows that God is going to bless his descendants, with land, with an abundance, a promised land for them to dwell in. 
And this is now a moment where you could sense attention. Like he could try to figure out like, all right, well, I mean, the blessing was for me. It wasn't for Lot. I kind of need to hold on to this and, and maybe I need to get rid of him. Right? If, if he was so focused on uh, trying to make it happen in his own strength, he would have disregarded his nephew and tried to just, you know, been defensive about the land that they were in. It says uh, the rest of verse six, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And now here's another problem. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And so there's already uh, foreign nations that they're just kind of walking and living. Well, I guess it's the land is presently belonging to those nations. And Abram and Lot are living as nomads in their land. And the land that they have is insufficient for both of their flocks, both of their families to dwell together. And now there's strife that is arising in their family. Okay, and so uh, verse 8, then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen, we're family, okay? Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And so Abram cares about his nephew Lot. He cares about his flock and the entire community that he's responsible for. And he cares about Lot more than he cares about his own prosperity. He cares about avoiding unnecessary strife and maintaining relationship with Lot more than just his own abundance. That he's willing to give Lot this choice. He says, you get first pick. Now, very easily, Abram, as the older, could have just said, hey, like God promised things to me and blessings to me, and I'm the older, and I brought you here with me. I should get first pick. But no, Abraham begins to be a blessing to others and not simply trying to hoard the blessings that God brings his way. Abraham is taking a step out by faith by being like, I'm not going to, to cling so tightly to this land. I'm going to let him pick first, right? That he's willing to, by faith, be a blessing to other people. And so, uh, verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we're told that this land is abundant. There is plenty of water. It's like, a, like the garden of the Lord. It's being compared to the garden of Eden. And so Lot has this choice and he's kind of like, that's the better side. And he chooses this side. He chooses what on the surface appears to be the better. Okay. And so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And so we begin to get some foreshadowing of 
right? Some problems here. But what I want to po point out here about Abram is that notice Abraham wasn't afraid in this moment. I mean, he does other things based on fear later on. His faith is imperfect, and we'll look at that later on in the series. But because of God's promises to him, he doesn't have to covet. He doesn't have to envy. He doesn't have to be fearful of his future. He can, by faith, bless others. He can, by faith, be generous to others without worrying that he somehow shot his own future in the foot, right? That he somehow ruined God's plan of blessing him. He's not worried about, oh no, if I let Lot have the better land, what if I screwed up the future for all future descendants of mine, right? It's something that he easily could have done, but because God had promised blessing on Abram's life, he doesn't have to be afraid. He can, by faith, be generous. He can begin to step out uh, to not just being blessed by God, but being a blessing to other people. He can accept a degree of momentary loss, knowing that God will take care of him, right? And he knows, like, okay, if God's blessing me to be a blessing, maybe I need to start stepping out in this way. Maybe I, like, I don't have all of the promises yet, but I have some. And maybe I need to begin to act like God has called me. Okay, maybe I need to, by faith, trust in God and begin to be the man that God already wants me to be and told me he wants me to be. And if God is intending on blessing all the families of the earth through Abraham, maybe starting with his brother's kid, is a small step of faith in that direction, right? He could have cared only for him and his own, just him and Sarah, and maybe some future descendants, which he's still perplexed about where they're gonna come from, right? He could have just so focused on his own family, but instead, no, he's like, I want to bless others. I need to be someone through whom the families of all the earth are blessed. And so by blessing his nephew, it is one small step of faith in that direction. And so he does that. Abram's, Abraham also, I think I would identify, it wasn't just about his relationship with God and the promises of God and the blessings of God that he was able to have trust, but he also valued more than just material wealth and prosperity. I would suggest that Abraham also valued his relationship with Lot. Right, That strife was already beginning to be stirred up between their herdsmen. And he's like, let there be no strife between us. That Abraham was willing to part with the land in order to maintain the blessing of relationship with his nephew. He considered that to be worth more than the land. <clears throat> and so the blessing of God on Abraham's life was worth more than desperately clinging to the resources in front of him. All right. In a couple generations, we might read the story of Jacob and Esau and how Esau was this individual who trades his birthright for a bowl of soup that he ends up missing out on the blessing of his father at the end of his father's life. And, and there's something so significant about blessing here. Right? It's, it's not just somehow material possessions. But when, when Esau recognizes he misses out on this blessing, 
that it's a really big deal, that he, he weeps bitterly and is desperate to, like, Father, don't you have another blessing for me? Right? That, that he realizes that it's something significant that is lost. And so, so when it comes to blessings, I just want to point out, it is something that is worth more than we may initially think, that it is something that is worth seeking, it is something that is worth preserving, living a life uh, in light of conducting ourselves worthy of the blessing that God has given us is, is something that we should do, that we should continue to live a life that's pleasing to God. All right, that we don't simply look to the things that God has already given us and, and view them as, as our own, but we're willing to be generous with our resources, our time, our wealth, with our strength, right? Uh, that we would be generous towards others. And so here we go. Let, let's, let's consider this as far as these blessings and blessing others as we have been blessed. Okay, uh, Abraham blessed others by faith. And what was cool about this moment, it was prior to Abraham having experienced all the promises that God had given him. Okay, Abraham could have just been like, you know what, God, like, when you give me everything, then I'll begin to be a blessing to others. Right? When you have blessed me sufficiently, then I'll choose to bless the families of all the earth. Right? No, no, no. He's, he's beginning to realize, like, I'm going to start doing this now. And this is a good thing. It's something that can be done before we have fully inherited all of the promises of God in our lives. It's something that we can do now. That God is faithful to give seed to the sower and bread for food. That God is faithful that right now in our lives, with what he has given us, he wants us to be faithful to think about others and not just ourselves. Right? To begin to bless others and not only be concerned about our own blessings. In fact, in Acts 20, uh, Paul says this about Jesus. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That, that there's somehow in terms of blessing, and this is why I want to point out, it's not about simply material prosperity. <laughs> that, that if that was the case, then why would you give? Why would you be giving if that were the situation? But it's not. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That there's somehow more blessing shown in our lives as we are generous rather than when we are selfish. In Proverbs 19.17, this, this is in the context of material, but it's much more than that, I want to point out. Uh, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Okay, that, that we can be generous by faith, and by loving our brothers, loving others, that God is receiving that as though it's been done to him, and he doesn't receive it as a gift, he receives it as a loan that is to be repaid. Okay, that it's, uh, it's one of the ways in which, like Abraham, we choose to live a life in which we want to be a blessing to others, that God's blessings given to us are something that we are also showing to other people. Uh, Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings 
blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Okay, and so we don't have to be afraid as though when we're blessing others, like, oh no, now I have less for me. Or when we're watering others that, oh no, I'm running out of my you know, volume of water here. I have an insufficient amount. What's going to happen to me? That's not what we need to worry about. That the wisdom of Proverbs here is saying that when we bless others, we're going to continue to be enriched in that process. When we water others, God will continue to pour into us so that we can continue to be a blessing to others. Okay, God's end goal is not simply to bless me. God's end goal is to bless others through us. That's what God desires to do through us. And when we begin to do those things, we don't have to be afraid as though we'll run out. God will work through us. God will enrich us. God will water us in that process. As far as disconnecting wealth and God's blessing, in Proverbs 10.22, it says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Simple abundance and financial blessing uh, is less than the blessing that God gives us. Okay, uh, if, if I just simply have a quantity of material, there can be attached to that sorrow with it. Yet, the blessing that God gives is, is such that when we experience it in our lives, if it happens to bring about abundance, that there's no sorrow that's been added with it. Okay, and that's far more blessed than to have a lot, but to have obtained it through wicked ways, or to have so much worry, or to have had our hearts captured and our affections drawn away by it, right? It's, it's much better to experience God's blessing than to just simply have an abundance. And as far as blessings, like I've been saying, it, has, it is not simply about materials. Here we go. Proverbs 3.13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Right? Like money is no good if I don't know how to be wise with it. If I suddenly squander it and waste it on all sorts of things, if I suddenly lose it through selfishness and all sorts of... Wisdom is better than treasure, okay? Wisdom is a blessing to us, that desiring to be wise is a good thing. And the way you get wisdom is with the... It begins with the fear of the Lord. Or, or check this out, Psalm 37. The righteous, or in this case, I'm pulling that in from the context above, uh, is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Okay, so better than financial blessings is when your children become blessings, like not just like, oh, you know, kids are a blessing from the Lord. Yes, but also when your kids become less selfish, when in their future lives, they become a blessing to others. That just as you take on the nature and character of your father, who blesses you by blessing others, that now your kids imitate their parents and what they may see at work in your life. 
right? Rather than having selfish kids who may or may not have a lot of material, right? It's better to see them suddenly becoming the people that God has called them to be, to have an eternal impact on the lives around them, right? That is a blessing when you see your kids fulfilling the calling that God has on their lives. And so what I want to suggest about this passage is we shouldn't wait to be a blessing to others until we suddenly have enough that we're like, okay, I think I can start taking risks. No, no, no. Because then maybe our children, as they grow up with us, only ever get to see the stingy version of us. They don't get to see the version of that someday I'll be a blessing to others. It is worth it, even with the little that you may have, to begin to step out to be a blessing. So that perhaps, in some of those expressions of generosity, your kids see a fraction of them and begin to be like, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like my dad. Right? I, I see the way that they treat others, the way they're generous with their time and their energy and their resources. And they view that as something that they desire to imitate. That is what we would want. And so don't wait to be a blessing to others, right? Abraham was choosing to do it before he had all of the promises that God had proclaimed. I'm going to step out in faith and begin to be a blessing right now. In a Proverbs, um, 20 verse 7 it says the righteous who walks in his integrity blessed are his children after him okay that when we have righteousness that's been given and uh, granted to us by faith in god when when we live a life of integrity before god consistent with the gifted righteousness that's been given to us that that's the kind of life we want to lead and then <laughs> Blessed are his children after him, where, right, because of this relationship that we have with God, it begins to express itself multi-generationally, right, where God is faithful to a thousand generations is kind of the implication of that passage, right? That's what God ends up doing. And so that's what I want to point out. There is much more to blessing than just the things that the world desires, right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life so much more than that and as a result sometimes it's possible to misidentify blessings in our lives some people might think that they are blessed when in fact they're not and some things we might experience in life we might not look at as a good thing and yet in those moments god is blessing us and god is pleased with us in uh let's see here we go here we go where did I go? Oh, here we go. Let's consider once again the story of Abram and, and Lot. That Lot chooses the Jordan Valley and goes to dwell with his tent near the city of Sodom. Now, in Abraham's perspective, that may have seemed like a loss. That may have seemed like, oh, man, he missed out on the really good blessing. But it was actually God's favorite work in his life. In 2 Peter 2, New Testament, looking back on this account, uh, Peter says this, and if he, that is God, rescued righteous Lot, and then it t tells us about Lot, who was greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, 
For as that righteous man lived among them day by day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Okay, and so even though Lot ended up choosing what looked like the, the garden of the Lord, he's tormented. Every day he's there because of the sinful actions of his community. And so what I want to point out is that, that Abram didn't take that path and that his soul wasn't tormented in the same way. His kids didn't have to grow up like that in that community. And so this ended up being what, what appeared to be a blessing to Lot's eyes ended up by some of his choices bringing about torment in his life. Or consider in Psalm 49, it describes a person who on the outside you might consider blessed and they themselves think that, but they've actually missed the boat completely. Psalm 49 verse 16, be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. And so what's sad is this individual that's described here on the outside superficially, some might, and they themselves consider blessed. And yet when they die, none of that will go with them and they'll never see light again. That what some considered blessings will be lost to them and things that were truly blessings were never obtained by them that it's something that is to be grieved. And so we've got to be careful that we don't look to material abundance as an indication of the blessing of, God's, uh, of, of God on someone's life. Uh, that in the scriptures, we see that there are godly rich people, which God calls to be rich in good works. And there are godly poor people who are abundant in faith, that they trust God and they too are generous and blessing others in the midst of what they do have, right? With the things that God has given them. And so it's easy to misidentify things as blessings, to call something a blessing when it isn't, and to think that something is not what you would want in your life when even Jesus himself would call you blessed. Take a look at Matthew 5, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So I want to pause there real quick and just consider, right, when we pray, we say, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. That when God has been so abundant in his blessings and his mercy that he showed us, well, we were sinners and, and making grace available to us and counting us as righteous when he, we place our faith in him, then we too need to be generous with forgiveness. 
that those who have wronged us, that we likewise would be willing to be a blessing to others and not merely be the dead end of the forgiveness that God has bestowed on us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, for they so persecuted, oh, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so what Jesus indicates is that there are many circumstances that we go through in life that are difficult, that are challenging, and yet in the midst of those circumstances, God is perhaps even pleased with us by the faith that we express in the midst of those moments. And that moments in which we are placing our trust in Him and even others are persecuting and reviling and lying about us because we are followers of Jesus, that in those moments we are blessed. We are blessed. The blessing of God is on our lives. In all of these moments that we might be like, Jesus, I don't think you know what blessing means. Right? Like, like we might think he's confused, but no, we can't measure God's blessing by simply looking at a life lived on this earth. We can only measure blessing in light of eternity, in light of relationship that an individual has with God. That is how blessing is measured. And that blessing that when it is experienced should not end with us but it should continue and flow out of us and that our lives should be lived differently by faith because of the blessings that God has already given. Regarding blessings, Jesus says this about what it truly means to be blessed. It's in Luke chapter 11. He said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That a, a truly blessed life and in comparison here, by the way, he's talking about his own mom, who many would consider Mary is blessed, and rightly so. But he says, listen, if you want to be more blessed than even my mom, <laughs> this is the way you do it. You hear the word of God and keep it, live it out, believe it, right? Place your trust and faith in the things that God word, God's word says about you, and you will experience and inherit the promises that God has on your life. This is what a truly blessed life looks like. One that has experienced relationship with God, experienced God's word and, and has read it and heard it and seen it and then, and then keeps it. Right? Instead of considering that as a loss, like, oh no, I'm giving up all of these things, or I, I had to walk away from some of the sins that I used to live in, and, you know, or I have to be willing to give up and be generous to others. No, 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 that's not, it's not a loss. Like Jesus is like, you're truly blessed when you live a life in which you're aiming to please God, right? in which you're conducting yourself worthy of the good news of the gospel. That that is a life that is truly blessed, even though by some people's measurement, they're like, man, like you've, you had to give up so much. It, it's costing you things, but they just don't know the true value of the treasure that you're experiencing. 
And so the, the biggest blessing that we can have is, is relationship with God, friendship with God, right? Which is what Abraham was described as having. It says this in Psalm 144, 15, blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord, right? Have you experienced that kind of blessing? where you have relationship with God. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That instead of placing your hope in the uncertainty of riches or on your own uh, talents and skills or the life that you have planned out for yourself, no, take refuge in God. And you are blessed. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That truly being blessed is when you've placed your faith in God, in Christ, and he has credited your faith as righteousness, in which he no longer counts your sins against you, in which he bestows on you his own righteousness that is only found when you are in Christ. That's when you're truly blessed. When you live a life in which there's no more condemnation because you are in Christ Jesus. When there's no more shame that the enemy can bring against you because even when you might stumble, you can boldly go before the throne of grace to find mercy in time of need. A truly blessed life is a life that has been forgiven and a life that has been transformed by Jesus. In fact, it is through Jesus that we can experience the blessing of Abraham. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, and then I'll skip down to 14. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, okay, the people who were not blood relatives to Abraham, uh, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, which, by the way, is the same way Abraham was justified by his faith, uh, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Actually, that's even crazy right there. Paul is saying... That when God made these promises to Abraham in Genesis 12 of the families of the earth being blessed through him, that God was preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus beforehand, like in, in, it was hidden in form and yet to be revealed. That the gospel, this good news of, of placing our hope in Jesus and experiencing his righteousness was preached in seed form to Abraham when, uh, uh, when God said, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then, those who are of faith, who have trust in what God says, who believe the things he says, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That if you want to be blessed like Abraham was blessed, you need to have faith like Abraham had faith. And in Galatians 3.14, skipping down, it says, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That the same blessing that God gave Abraham 
it showed up and was able to be obtained and experienced in our lives because of Christ, because of Jesus coming on the earth, that he, as a promised descendant of Abraham, as the, the foretold Messiah, the sin-bearing servant, the suffering servant of God, the, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, it is in Jesus that we can experience the blessing of Abraham when we place our trust in him. And Paul says this in Ephesians 1 verse 3, speaking about finding ourselves in Jesus, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That when, when we place our trust in Jesus, God withholds no good thing from the righteous. That God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That the very blessings that Esau craved, we have. That the blessings that had been promised to Abraham and it had been experienced in part during his lifetime, we have fully given and granted to us when we are found in Christ. That this generous God withholds no spiritual blessing from us, but he's given us every spiritual blessing that is found in heavenly places. And like Abraham, when God blessed him, through him, he, was, he wants Abraham to be a blessing to others. That when we're found in Christ, we don't keep this to ourselves. We don't keep Jesus to ourselves. That the blessing that God has given us in Jesus is one that we should share out. One that we should be generous with. That we too are blessed to be a blessing. And so like a city on a hill, we share this hope. That we share this message, this gospel, this good news. That this blessing is available to others. Right? That the blessing of Abraham might come to others as well. And that we're not just interested in this faith making us right with God and having relationship with God. We want to see this blessing poured out on our children. We want to see that same faith found in the hearts of people in our community. That we want to see this blessing poured out on this whole world. And that's what God's called you to do. That's what God intends for you to do. He does not desire for his blessing to be dead-ended at your life. He wants your life to bear fruit and to be that in which many others experience and partake of the blessings that he had for you. So let's pray, church. Let's pray. So as, as we consider these things, there's so much that we can be thankful for, that we can be grateful for, that we can praise God and bless him back for what he's done for us, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits, right? And so, so we can rejoice regardless of what we have in this life, regardless of how others might measure our lives as blessed. We know that if Jesus calls us blessed, then we are blessed. And we can be fearless in our bringing that blessing to others. So let's, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, God, we rejoice in what you've done for us, the mercy that you've given us. God, we are so in awe of the good gifts that you give us, Lord, that you chose to adopt us to make us your children. And, and every good and perfect gift that we've ever experienced in this life came from you as by your design and by your plan. But Lord, help us transform our hearts that we would not be selfish, that we would not only keep these things for us, but Lord, that we would freely give as it has been given to us, that we would be a people that please you, that live a life that is seeking after you and your kingdom, and that we desire to bring that kingdom to this world, that others would experience the blessings that you've given us. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your mercy. We're in awe of the fact that you don't count our transgressions against us, that Lord, you've forgiven our iniquity and our sin. And Lord, help us to be generous in forgiveness towards others. Bring to, to our thoughts those who may have wronged us and, and bring us opportunity in which we can show them mercy. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful of the blessings we've been given, that we would not be greedy, we would not be selfish, we would not be those who are are just desiring and craving so much of this world, but Lord, that we would be taking hold of that which is truly life, of that which you freely offer, and that we would be a people who are rich in good works. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We love you guys. Take care. Let us know how we can pray for you.